the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Uh, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. I'll get that right eventually. <laughs> I've had too much coffee today, so I'm probably going to talk very fast. So get your uh, get your pencil ready. Anyway, let's start off with a couple of uh, unique quotes because, you know, there's a lot being made about history and pulling down of monuments. And uh, I thought I'd just speak on that a little bit. I do not speak Hebrew, but I understand that it has no word for history. The closest word for it is memory. That's David Miliband, by the way. History, history is merely a list of surprises. It can only prepare us to be surprised yet one more time. Kurt Vonnegut. And then the final one is history. Uh, human history is the essence, is the history of ideas, H.G. Wells. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, I go to our webpage quite a bit. And uh, if you go to WHK1420, you will find uh, that if you go to local podcasts and go down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show, you will find uh, my webpage. And uh, yeah, I, I personally kind of like the webpage, uh, <laughs> but it, it, uh, it's very interesting uh, right now. I think that uh, you'll find that uh, there's, there's quite a bit on my webpage, if you go to the insight column, by the way, Bob Dickey's on uh, under bulletin board every day. And I think the first thing you'll see is that big, uh, we, we got the number one JD power award from, for consumer uh, satisfaction. But if you go to insights, there's a couple really good articles this week and I'm, I'm not even going to tell you what they are. You got to go find them yourself. Uh, the one I think is, it's going to be ultimately important, and, it's, and we're going to talk about some things that in the first part of the show that I think are going to be very, 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 very uh, important, just Tim's uh, humble opinion. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, if you go there, you can get some stuff. Uh, you can get the, the dividend growth list, our prime income list. Uh, the, for all you people looking for income, prime income is income right now. It's uh, almost a 4% yield in a, in a 1% society or less, shall we say. Uh, the dividend growth portfolio, if you're 40 or 50 uh, and you you grow a dividend to 5, 6, 7% a year and uh, you get 4 or 5% appreciation, you're going to be a very wealthy person somewhere down the line. Um, also, we have the business, business Owner's Guide to Transition. So if you're planning on selling your business, first of all, private equity is going to low-buy you, uh, and we have some people that will probably buy your business uh, for more than what, what they're going to offer. And the second thing is you need to do some, some things uh, – uh, so there's some steps to take. We also have the Savvy Investors Credit Handbook, which is phenomenal. Uh, also, you can sign up to, for a wealth plan and also our family inventory workbook. Uh, let's get started, though. Uh, Lori Calcivina, our head strategist this week, uh, she talked about how the financials underperformed uh, the last couple of weeks. 
And the broader U.S. Uh, equity market regained some ground that they lost in June uh, in the first week. Remember, holidays change trends, okay? I found that technically a lot. So, you know, we go to Memorial Day, we get whacked for a while, we go to Fourth of July, we go up for a while, we go to uh, Labor Day, we get whacked for a while. So that's how it works. We go to, uh, you know, uh, Halloween, we start up again, you know, that type of thing. So uh, the underlying theme of, of last week's uh, performance in the U.S. equity markets was a little tougher to define than it had been in prior weeks. But what happens, we jumped out, you know, the most uh, U.S. equities outperformed their non-U.S. peers, by the way, uh, in a strong tape, with the exception of China, by the way. With large caps, uh, we saw the most recovery in REITs. Remember, I've said this on this show thousands and thousands of times. You buy yield when it's down. And, uh, you know, I got a call from uh, Larry this week, and uh, he said I should use his name. And he was asking about REITs. And and I said, REITs are fine. You just got to know what's in their portfolio. Uh, You know, I I, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who works downtown, as I do, in downtown Cleveland, that is. And, uh, you know, we're not going to our office. And I, I you know, I, he says he's not going back. So, you know, he's in a building where there's 1,600 people, and he says they're averaging about 27 people uh, a day showing up. So you've you got to be very careful with the REITs you're buying. That's all I'll su- suggest. But anyway, uh, we did see REITs and communication services. Small cap utilities and materials uh, led too, which is interesting. So utilities are down. Their yields are up. REITs are down, their yields are up, okay? Uh, buy yield when it's up and the price is down. That's what you want to remember. Uh, materials are very interesting because that is value, folks. So we're coming into earnings season, and the sentiment continues to improve, uh, making us worried that the expectations are a little bit elevated heading into the quarter uh, re- uh, reporting season. And there's evidence that there's uh, worsening virus trends are starting to uh, have some adverse uh, adverse impact on consumer behavior, and that'll probably remain in place until you know there's uh, you know something else. Uh, Susan Rice has moved into second place in betting in uh, Biden's VP poll. And by the way, I read an article where Biden has uh, brought on Bernie Sanders' environmental team, and there's a huge green program. And uh, Mel called me and asked me about oil stocks. Mel. Uh, I would suggest that, uh, you know, you, you probably want to be thinking about that. But, uh, you know, I, I'd also, um, you know, I, I'd be worried about oil if Mr. Mr. Biden gets in. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, on top of that, uh, Bob Dickey on Friday, uh, you know, he came, or I think it was Thursday. He, he had gold as his subject. And by the way, once again, if you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. You can go right to my webpage, and it's under bulletin board on my webpage, right? But he said the breakout to new highs on gold moves it to the next resistance level, which is 1900. If it breaks 1900, it's off to the races. So I think, uh, you know, that is something that, you know, we haven't talked about for a while. So, look, the quantitative easing and the Fed crisis management that's going on here, the Fed, you know, has grown its balance sheet from just under $800 billion to over $7 trillion today. And this growth has come through a series of asset purchase programs. And, it's, you know, they're basically designed, uh, you know, to uh, um, support prices in various fixed income markets. So they're not doing anything about the stocks, but the, the stocks have taken off because of that. It's, it, you know, it's a major quantitative easing. So, we have a major balance sheet move in uh, in the Fed, and, and 
Look, for investors taught to believe that inflation is too much money chasing too few goods, this is a surprising and inconsistent outcome uh, to see what we're seeing in core prices because core prices are actually going down, okay? So if I look at the, the core price, it's actually gone down, which doesn't make sense to me at this point. I don't, I don't know what. So is the, the question is, is the Fed pushing on a string? Okay, the Fed wants lending. What it's getting is reserves. So the banks are not lending because there's no, there's no spread. You know, banks need a little bit higher interest rates. So, you know, if they borrow money from the Fed at half a point and they lend it out at four, they're making four percentage points. But they're making half a percentage point by doing nothing. Why take a risk and make a percentage point? You know, so uh, that's the way they're thinking right now. So I think that, you know, what we have here is invisible inflation. Uh, and it, it's kind of hard to, you know, inflationary impact of any particular policy is not observed inflation rate. Instead, it's the reported inflation rate, the sum of the policy plus existing economic conditions, if you will. So the deflationary risk confronting the U.S. economy in the past decade have include, included uh, longer-term trends towards lower price growth. If you look at the Commodity Research Bureau Index, it's back to where it was in 1956, with the exception of oil. If, if you, you know, on an inflation base, uh, basis, oil is you know, much lower than it was in 1956. So, so we, it's, it's elevated defaults. It's lowered asset prices in both 2008 and 2020 uh, before the government support was announced. So the generalized trend towards higher wealth concentrations is a cause of this. The wealthy get wealthier and the poor get poor. And uh, that's, a, that's a big problem. Um, a lot of people are not paying attention to that. So I, I think uh, the other thing you have to do is, uh, look, I think it's a gold strategy, you know, with the price of gold crossing over $1,800 to levels we, have, we haven't seen since 2011. Now, we've been on this for a year now, okay? We, we were talking about gold at $1,400. If, you, if you're doing business with me, you're probably up at least 20 30% on your gold stocks if you just came on board, but you're probably more like 40 or 50%. And I don't think we're done yet. Uh, and we've, we've increased the possibility of an upside scenario uh, to 45 percent all right so why gold stocks why golden stocks sometimes move in opposite directions there's a past president for both moving in the same direction the key is gold stocks have leverage okay and uh gold you know if you look the gold etf flows have been positive every month this year and it's the first time in like 10 years by the way and i i think it's going to continue all right so uh, you know that's my opinion anyway so i think uh you know, if, if you just look at gold itself, uh, the monthly flows are big. And, and I think, uh, look, gold stocks have huge, huge leverage. If gold does break out to 900, you know, the gold stocks have moved a little, but they're, they're nowhere near their highs. I think you're going to see a major, major blowout to the upside. Okay, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, now, uh, you know, I... I've seen a couple things that I thought was kind of interesting. I, you know, it wasn't long ago that the auto sector was an open road, uh, was on an open road, let's say, to the car of the future. Okay, uh, but there's been a gauntlet of potholes left by COVID, and uh, if you look, the auto industry is is restarting under COVID nineteen protocols. You know, the work at home requirements and aversion to transit and ride sharing may stimulate demand uh, for cars uh, in a big way. 
All right. So uh, where we were at a situation where we were, you know, putting a lot to work there, uh, you know, people were taking transit, whatever, uh, Uber, you know, that type of thing. Although I think Uber's going to come back. Uh, Uber and Lyft, by the way. Uh, autonomous vehicle development is slowing. Uh, but electric vehicle development is gaining momentum. All right. So, you know, that's what we're seeing. So I, although I, you know, I worry about some kind of, uh, um, you know, problem with electricity is, uh, you know, how do you make electricity? You make it with oil and gas and, and, uh, some wind and some ocean waves and stuff like that, but it's not, it's not a viable production. So it'll be very interesting. Now, the other thing that I think is, I think is probably the sweet spot is healthcare. You know, healthcare stocks normally trade at a uh, um, about a you know twenty percent premium to the S and P five hundred. They're still at a five six percent discount, and the, the political equation, uh, as it applies to the healthcare uh, sector, looks to be unusually benign this cycle. All right, because you need healthcare to solve this problem. All right, so COVID nineteen has focused investors on the importance the sector plays in keeping the economy growing and productive. And long-term themes of aging demographics, the need for uh, to get value for healthcare spending, the convergence of healthcare and technology uh, offer many opportunities. I think, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of them. Uh, you know, I, I, I go back to Vince Lombardi, and he said, it's not whether you get do- knocked down, it's whether you get up. Uh, it's an old chi- that's an old Chinese proverb. Uh, this is not how many times you get knocked down in life; it's how many times you get up. But I look. I think much of ho- the healthcare focus is on uh, ni- uh, COVID nineteen. But boy, there's some big advancements in cancer that have just been. I mean, you know, you they now have something with instead of Keytruda, where you have to have it injected into your body, they have a pill. And right, so it's 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 interesting stuff going on out there. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be take two uh, pills and call me in the morning. So I think it's going to be pharmaceuticals. Healthcare stocks, uh, you know, uh, medical equipment stocks, uh, you know, they, they now have, you don't have to have open heart surgery to replace your valve. They can do it through your leg. How about that, huh? So I just think it's, it's a really uh, interesting area to, to think about. Uh, and look, a lot of people have been asking me about fixing. Oh, by the way, there's two other things. Telemedicine in the healthcare area, I think it's going to be big. Uh, you know, um, my, my mother-in-law just had a uh, virtual visit the other day. Uh, and vertical integration, I think, is going to be uh, coming pretty soon, too. So uh, there's some long-term tailwinds. There's reduced pres- uh, political risks, and I think that's le- going to lead to uh, to outperformance. Um, now, so, some people have asked me about, uh, um, you know, uh, global e- equities, and I'm going to talk about that right after we talk a little bit about fixed income. Because so, people are talking about fixed income, and, you know, where should you go and what should you do? And look, I think global fixed income is an interesting time uh, or interesting at this point, uh, simply because of the fact that the investment grade yields have fallen to a record low. Um, so where can you go to get uh, a higher interest rate? There's a couple spots, okay? And look, people put out CDs and they're called step-up CDs. So they give you a pretty good yield, higher than the current market yield, and sometimes they get called. So you just roll them to the next time, <laughs> all right? Uh, but if, if there is an upswing in interest rates, they give you a little bit higher yield so your principal doesn't fall. That's an idea. We have those I, those come across my desk daily. So for those who are looking for 
good CDs. That's a good, and they're high quality, by the way. And the other area is tips. You know, tips broke out this week. What is a tip? It's a treasury inflation protected security. Okay. And it's, all it does is it, it moves up uh, based on the interest rate. So if the interest rates go higher or inflation goes higher, like we're seeing, you know, gold leads the way, folks. And gold has been leading the way for all the other commodities. Most of the other commodities are hitting, you know, lows that we haven't seen since 1956. But gold's starting to break out. Oil's hanging in there. I don't think oil's going anywhere, but I think, it's, you know, we, we have too much of it. So what I would suggest is, you know, you're looking at uh, – uh, some some situations that there's a couple situations in the fixed income area and the preferreds, okay? So preferreds, tips, and then CDs, what they call step-up CDs would be, you know, if I was buying fixed income, that's where I'd go. By the way, some people ask me about commodities. I think WTI uh, has some positive pricing going on. Natural gas remains uncertain, but Warren Buffett just bought a pipeline. I think that's kind of interesting. Copper is rallied 20% off the year-to-date lows, and gold is up 13% year-to-date. There's only three indexes that are up. The QQQs, which is the NASDAQ composite, or not the composite, but the top 100 stocks, the Chinese index, and gold. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about foreign indexes uh, when we come back. In the meantime, don't forget, this is a live show, so it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Man's made out of muscle and blood, muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Uh, okay, we're uh, we're back. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, uh, I, I was uh, talking to some very smart people this week, and I I, I thought something. You know, um, I've been talking to a lot of people who are very bearish, and it's hard because if you're not in technology, and, and I own a lot of the technology stocks, uh, and, and they're worrying me because they're going virtually straight up. I mean, uh, uh, you know, virtually straight up, but. Uh, you know, everybody is nervous because, you know, the banks aren't showing well. The the, uh, the basic materials showed up a little bit last week, the, and some of the industrials did too, uh, but not as, as much as you want. So it's really if you're not in tech or healthcare, you're not making any money, uh, which, you know, that's why I follow the charts because I can see that stuff. And uh, anyway, it, look, a very smart guy I know who happens to be on my webpage said uh, – in the last 100 years, 70 of the years have been up. 13, year, uh, or, uh, yeah, 13 of the years, we were down less than 13%. And the, the, so 13 of the years. So 20, uh, I mean, uh, 17 of the years, we were down. I, I mean, uh, 12 of those years that we, uh, of the 30, we were down more than 15% or less. So 13 to 15% basically for 20 some out of the years. And the remaining we had, well, we got beat up pretty bad. So the chances are uh, that, you know, you're going to make money over our time. And here's the other statistic. And we talked about patience and investing with patience. If you hold a 
stock for one year, or if you hold stocks for one year, your chance of making money are 25%. Five years, it gets to 35%. Seven years, it gets to 62%. Ten years, it gets to 100%. So uh, being patient works. Now, uh, I did notice a couple things uh, this week. And uh, NVIDIA became the largest semiconductor company in the world, surpassing Intel, which uh, was interesting. Now, it, uh, you, you buy NVIDIA, uh, for, in my humble opinion, for growth. You buy Intel for growth and income. So uh, that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, the other thing he uh, that Mitch Deeds, who's our, uh, you know, I think he's one of the best uh, semiconductor analysts out there, he says notebook battery demand uh, is, is important here because according to an article from DigiTimes, industry sources suggest that battery makers are seeing better than expected orders from notebook customers, which means that some of those names out there that, especially the ones he likes, are going to go up big. Uh, you know, and Intel's in that game in a big, big way. So, uh, you know, it's something to, to, to remember. Um, and, you know, it could be big. Now, I had uh, uh, Bob call me and he said, Tim, why do you keep uh, talking about the EEM? Uh, and the reason I talk about the EEM, and I, by the way, I, I do that for traders or younger people. I use the FXI or, you know, uh, the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, uh, for older clients. And, uh, look, I use the EEM because it's got a lot of technology in it. I mean, I think its top three positions are Alibaba, Taiwan Semini, uh, Semi, Beidou, and China, and Tencent. Okay. And if you don't know who those are, you know, you don't know your international markets well. So, by the way, it's up 13% last week. Now, I, I buy ETS. I don't buy the mutual funds, which a lot of people have to do in their 401K. And I apologize about that, but that's not Tim Hayes' problem. All right. So, uh, look, I think it all depends on the dollar. Somebody asked me, you know, how will yields get back up to a decent level? How will the commodities prices rally? How will the value stocks rally? And it's all based on the dollar. If the dollar starts to slip here, and it doesn't look great, it doesn't. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to be a bear market for the dollar or anything like that. But look, if you're a bondholder right now and you're a foreign bondholder and the dollar is holding its own or going up and you're getting a much better yield than you would in your own country, it makes a whole lot of sense to own dollar-based bonds. If the dollar starts to slide, they're going to take a loss on that. And, and you know, the 1.5% yield on the 30-year treasury doesn't look as good at that point, if you know what I mean. Okay, so... Now, if the dollar does start to slide, then you really have to pay attention to the emerging markets, the commodities, because you'd be able to buy more commodities because they're dollar-based, okay? So, you know, you get a lot of dollars out there running, and you'll be able to buy more if, if you're in a, you know, with a foreign currency. So that's important. So when the dollar is rallying, U.S. stocks are the place to be. When dollars sells off, U.S. stocks, will probably underperform foreign stocks and also except for maybe commodity stocks. And gold's leading the way. So if gold leads the way, we'll, we'll continue. Now, I, I, uh, Tom Lee, who uh, writes, who's the head strategist for Fundstrat, uh, you know, he's been putting out a local uh, COVID report. And we have two, by the way. We've been talking more about what stocks to buy. But uh, look, there's been some uncertainty about the path of COVID-19. It worsened this week. And as your overall cases rose to new highs, and U.S. Deaths, deaths, by the way, seem to step up to 800 per day versus 500 a week or so ago. So the path of COVID-19 
in the U.S. has departed from Western Europe and Asia, and both other regions seeing cases generally fall. But this is not all entirely negative developments. Many states have taken significant actions, including mandate masks, et cetera. Uh, I think some people, uh, you know, went a little bit crazy. You know, we had some uh, riots. Uh, we had to, I mean, there was a, I don't know if you saw the party in L.A., but uh, there was at a certain bar, thousands of people there. Nobody had masks on. Nobody had anything. So nobody was social distancing. So interesting. Uh, I, you know, where do we go from here? Uh, you know, who knows? I think we're the markets, unfortunately, are, uh, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, having a, a bit of a problem uh, with it. And, and I think, you know, look, I'll, I'll just say this again, okay? I think there's some um, – there's a long-term shifting in the gold stocks. Uh, I looked at the relative strength ratio and the price of the gold divided by the Dow, and it broke its downtrend line. Uh, so, uh, you know, th that's pretty important. Now, we're, we're at, you know, if you look at that ratio, uh, we're at kind of some resistance for the ratio. So if we break through that, I mean, we could be, you know, uh, seeing some things, some interesting stuff. Uh, and we, we had two major bottoms, and we had a couple island reversals in GDX versus SP8. Uh, the GDX is a is an ETF of gold stocks versus the Standard Poor's. And so I think uh, we will be seeing, uh, you know, quite a bit of this, and uh, it'll, it, it'll be fairly interesting. Now, look, we're into earnings season, and I this is going to be a wild ride, I think. Um, you know, you, you take a look at, uh, you know, FedEx, which hasn't been doing anything for a pretty long time, had a blowout quarter. And then we had several other names where we had, you know, and we gapped up, by the way. We had several other names just who were pre-announced and got beat up. So, look, I'm going to say this, and I think it's important that you understand it. It isn't the earnings. It's the way your stock reacts to earnings, okay? So I'll uh, leave it at that. Uh, now, um, I will say that uh, there, there is some stuff that we should be watching uh, I lost my spot. It's hard doing this with uh, just uh, your computer, folks. Uh, well, let, let's just say, uh, you know, if we look at overbought, okay, and then I'm going to talk about technology stocks, and, uh, you know, it's how far you are above your 200-day moving average. And some of these things are a couple standard deviations above their 50-day moving average. So, you know, that's something to take into account, all right? Uh, so you're getting a lot of these stocks, you know, uh, you know, what I think is, is happening is, uh, uh, you know, some of these names are two or three standard deviations above their 200-day moving average and a standard deviation above their 50-day moving average. And I think that's, that's important. Now, there is a group that I do like in the technology area that is, you know, most of them have nice uptrends and that type of thing. And that's the semiconductor area. That's why I brought up Mitch Steve's stuff. I think there's some really good, uh, interesting stuff going on there. But, but the positives are, the positives are the AD line is holding. Uh, you know, I, I am seeing the, you know, the Russell lagging. That's because it's got a lot of financials in it. That's the Russell 2000, you know, smaller cap. Uh, I think you want to main, maintain a barbell approach where you have a lot, some tech and you have some industrials and financials just in case, okay? 
So uh, I think, uh, you know, the big breakout event this week was the Shanghai. It's up 13% in a week. I mean, that's huge. And we've been talking about the, uh, that on the show for a while. We do have the yield curve steepening a bit. And um, like I said, I think, you know, the EEM is a, is a really interesting scenario. Uh, you know, simply, I wouldn't buy it up big 13%, but it is an, an interesting scenario simply because of the fact that it has so much technology and foreign technology, and that's where the money's going, folks. Uh, hey, we're going to take a break. This is a Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Just remember, you got a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Okay, we're back. A little Stevie Wonder in the background there. You know, I was just looking at the uh, the, the point and figure chart on gold, gold continuous now. Uh, and I noticed it broke a double top and then broke another double top. And so uh, I think we're leaning into that, that old high uh, that, by the way, was back in 2009, 2008, 2009. So, uh, you know, that's, that's very, very interesting. Uh, you know, and look, the the gold continuous is up 18.96% year to date. The GDX is up 13.5%. So, so the gold stocks have been uh, behind, and usually the leverage occurs on the breakout. So we'll find out what happens. Now, we always talk about, oh, by the way, it's a live show, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Uh, you've got any questions? But we, we talk about the bullish percent. And the bullish percent is simply uh, our way of monitoring risk. So uh, what it is, it was designed by a protege of Earl, uh, Charles Dow back in the 30s. And what he wanted to do was be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And so we, we put up a point figure chart, 0 to 100. We get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everything's too hot to handle. Everybody's talking about their portfolio. I get invited to parties and cookouts and stuff like that. Then we get below 30. Nobody opens their 401k statements. Uh, Nobody can remember my name <laughs> uh, or my phone number, by the way. Uh, and, you know, it, it, so what it does is, uh, look, when you get over 70 and you're, you're a column of X's, that means the offensive team's on the field. When you go into a column of O's, that means the defensive team's on the field. Now, it doesn't mean you have to sell all your stocks, okay? What it means is, is that risk is higher. Risk is higher. And believe me, stocks go down a lot faster than they go up. I've been doing this too long not to tell you that. So the point is, is you want to be careful. And what we're in right now is that we're in a column of O's, and we're at, uh, we were up 3% for the week, but, uh, you know, we would not reverse back up until we were 58. Uh, so that's positive being up, but it's we're still in a column of O's, okay? Uh, the over-the-counter index was up 1.5%, and it's still in a column of O's, and it's not, re uh, re you know, reversing up anytime soon. Same with the world index. But we're at 50%. Okay, we're right in the 50, 54% area, which is you know, mid-ground, okay? So the question will become is how do we go into earnings season? And, look, we have twice come down to 50 after going to five. Remember, I pounded the table back the first week of April. I pounded the table. I said we don't get much further down than five. And we've gone to 50 twice and then reversed back up. Are we going to do it this time? I have no idea. I'm just mentioning it just simply because, uh, 
you know, we are residing near midfield position, which sometimes is a pretty good time, a pretty good position. But what I like is that all the positive trend indicators also remained unchanged this week. Uh, that generally remaining uh, just below midfield position, which is good. The high-low indicators uh, remain stagnant from last week. They're in, they're in very high field position in the 90s, if you will. Uh, that's pretty high. And the high-low index is just the number of new highs versus the number of new lows. Uh, it's a good uh, scenario, uh, you know, especially when it gets down below 30. Now, I looked at the uh, dynamic asset level investing our friends Dorsey Wright provide us with. They also provide us with the bullish percent and uh, a lot of the stuff that we do in our third sector here. Uh, and technology is still number one. Energy fell to number two. They got beat up a little bit this last couple of weeks, uh, actually since Memorial Day. So holidays change trends again. And con- consumer cyclical, which is mostly Amazon and um, uh, Costco and eBay. All right. Those are the three stocks running that. Communications services is fourth and healthcare is fifth. Health care was in second place. Then, moved, uh, then energy surged forward. Uh, then healthcare kind of faded back. Now, at the bottom of the poll is financials, number the third to the last, real estate, and then consumer non-cyclical, well, or consumer staples, if you will. Now, crude oil prices remain slightly below, uh, slightly above forty dollars a share, I should say, and energy stocks have come uh, under pressure in the last couple of weeks. And the XLE, I, it looks like to me on the point and figure charts, gave another sell signal, broke a double bottom at thirty-six and a half. So, I want to be careful with those oil stocks. Uh, I can't remember who was, Mel, I think it was Mel who called me on that. Uh, I, I did notice, you know, we talked about we had 10, 11 straight weeks of mo- positive momentum. And uh, we did go negative momentum. The, the EEM, by the way, is on its 13th week of positive momentum. That's why I'm not saying, hey, go out and buy it. Uh, but we did, you know, we did like it because it was mostly technology stocks. But it's 13 straight weeks of positive momentum, folks. It's bound to be a pause. And uh, after being up 13% last week, I think it'll be a hard pause. But the Dow uh, and most of the other indexes have been a negative momentum for a couple of weeks, with the exception of the QQQs. The QQQs, just, the people, the momentum guys got a hold of that, so I'd be very, very careful. with. I have it in some of my portfolios. I have it in a lot of my portfolios, actually. Uh, and it's really been uh, uh, p- positive. But, look, uh, the EEM was at 36 two weeks ago. It's now at 43. That's a big move for an ETF, okay? So we've been we've – been, Touting that one for a while. Uh, we actually started touting it, uh, I believe it was 37.50. It actually went down for a while. I went down to 29, 29. I, I just suggested that you probably buy some more. But the, the one thing I did notice was that the XLG, the SPY, and the EEM, you know, one of the things uh, that Dorsey Wright does is, by the way, is look at things uh, on a momentum basis. And they all went to positive momentum uh, on the on a monthly basis. So the standard Poor's 500, the, t- the top 50 uh, large cap stocks and uh, the EEM all went to positive monthly momentum. So I don't think they're done yet. I just think you want to wait a little bit on a pause. Now the QQQ is at an all time new high, but, and, and, and they, it's, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. 21 straight X's straight up. Uh, and that's the Netflixes, the Apples. They're shoving a lot of money in those. be interesting to see how that works coming forward. Uh, by the way, they're all really good companies, but sometimes the market gets carried away. As Warren Buffett once said, and I think this is important, I, they, he was asked, it's all about numbers, right? He says, eventually. First, we're going to get the emotion out of the market. 
and there's a lot of motion in those stocks right now. But I was looking at the near-term support levels for uh, these most of these things, and you know the 200-day moving average is way below where they are. So I'll just leave that with you. And you know we're down to uh, 26 favored sectors at this point, uh, and we don't have any in 70. So you know we've come a long way down just from three weeks ago. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the favored sectors here. I'm going to talk about the most overbought first. So remember that, the most overbought, and then I'm going to go to the least overbought. All right, so housing and semiconductors are at 70%, so they're in the red zone. Software and building are at 65%. Uh, still, I think you want to wait on that. Biotech, Internet, and precious metals are at 60 I'd wait a little bit on those two. Uh, chemical, electrics products, real estate, machinery, automobiles, and business are at 55. Uh, there's one auto that I would definitely wait on, but the rest of them, uh, you know, they look fairly good. Uh, retail, medical, financials, telecom, services, electric utilities, computers, drugs, steel, and waste management are at 50. That's usually a good place to be looking uh, for stocks. At 45 is textiles, another good place to be looking at stocks. Uh, at 40 is aerospace, leisure, and healthcare, a very good place. And we have one group under 30, or 28, and that's oil service. Uh, so another really good place to be looking at stocks, okay? Um, I, you know, I, I was trying to uh, figure out exactly, you know, uh, what I should be buying, where I should be buying. I did notice that oil, restaurants, and protection services, which had been favored, all went to average. And gaming, which had been very favored and made a big run, uh, went to unfavored status uh, this week. So uh, uh, those I had a couple of questions about Las Vegas Sands last week, and, uh, you know, we'll see. Now, international markets, uh, I think, you know, uh, if, if I looked at, at some of the ETFs out there, I, I think the, the ones with the high technology concentration, you know, for example, the EEM, it's 25% tech, all right, Uh those are the those are the names I think you want to be paying attention to. Uh, now, if you do com- company or country dispersion, uh, you know some of the names with uh, high Taiwan, uh, high uh, you know Asia Pacific concentration is probably what you want to do. That's where a lot of tech stuff comes from. So, uh, you know, it, it's just something that you know I like uh, personally right at the moment. Now, if we look at fixed income, uh, look the U.S. ten-year yield index fell to a sell signal in late June, but reversed up currently into X's. So, you know, we're, we are having a bit of a steepening of the yield curve because the lower or, or the uh, the two and the three and the five year are, are being bought by the Fed. So, you know, they're doing the, the thing. And I, I guess, you know, look, I, I noticed that uh, tips, you know, I said last week have been kind of breaking out. And usually it's the principal value of tips is indexed to the CPI or the consumer price index. And, and, uh, so it, it, but I did notice that they did break a, a, a spread double top the other day. Um, they had broken a double top and they broke a spread double top, which is pretty positive, I think. So tips may be the way to go. Uh, and once again, I would suggest that if, if we do correct a little bit for a while, uh, Convertible bonds are the way to go. I have two people that do convertible bonds extremely well, and I just remember that. Crude oil finally went negative after like eight weeks of being positive. Copper's been positive for 12 weeks. Copper's up almost 27, 28% this year. And gold just went positive this week. So uh, 
Look, I think if the COVID outbreak uh, and fall continues to uh, reverberate across markets, mod, uh, commodities such as natural gas, uh, they, they've undergone some price term, turmoil. And, I, you know, I still think you're going to have some recalibrations of supply and demand. So I don't know if the CRB index is, is, is done. It may be done going down because natural gas has broken out for the first time in a long, long time. And it may be because of Warren Buffett buying, but, you know, who knows? Uh, Look, I, I, we always talk about relative strength in the show, and relative strength is the measure of how a stock is performing compared to something else. In this case, we use the S&P 500 Equal Weight Index. And the reason we like this is because some of these things stay on buy signals for a long time. So write these names down. Uh, Covenant Logistics Group, Freeport McMoran, uh, Canadian Solar, Cozens, uh, the food and beverage, Soho, which is a Chinese technology company, Exogen, Macrogenetics, Blue Apron, uh, GCI Liberty Class A, Huyu, uh, Tencent Music. Uh, and then on the sell signal, we have BJ's, Restaurants, CSG International, CTS, Document Security Systems, Energy Recovery, World Fuel Services, Lynette, PNC Financials Group, Sanderson Farms, Universal Healthcare, Vector Group, and Roos Hospitality. Uh, oh, and one other one, Extern, which is an oil and gas. So what we're seeing is... Uh, a little bit of, of selling going on and a little bit of buying going on. And it depends on what sector you're in. So, um, you know, we'd be glad to help you if you'd like to have a conversation. Please, my, you know, you can call me at 216-774-8906 is my direct number. That's 216-774-8906. Let's take a break, a break and we'll be right back with in, in, Insiders. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on that's the uh we're back uh this is the smart investment show that that song's kind of the theme song right now for the coronavirus keep your social distance right all right uh so now we talk about insiders and uh look what we started we started out with our strategists and we've moved our way down to different sectors then we moved our way down to technical analysis. And now we're going to talk about uh, another form of, you know, kind of fundamental analysis is that the insiders buy when they see good things happening. Okay. Now they're very early and we're only looking for big insider buys. We're not looking for small ones. We're looking for big, big, big ones. Now, first of all, for those of you guys like small cap stocks, guys and gals, because I got uh, three ladies who really like to uh, roll the dice a little bit occasionally, uh, VBI vaccines. There were six insiders. They bought 170,000 shares on average each. Uh, that's kind of an interesting one. So, uh, you know, that's number one. And Harold Hamm, who's, uh, you know, next to the Duncan family, I think is some of the smartest money in oil, uh, has, is again buying Continental Resources. You may recall he bought a ton of stock last week. And then on the, on, uh, the sixth, he bought another $25 million worth of stock. And then uh, on the seventh, he bought $1.7 million worth of stock. So Harold is a very bright guy. When it comes, I mean, he's just a, he knows oil better than anybody, I think. You know, he may be one of the top five oil guys in the world. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Now, uh, there was an, a name that we uh, have a great report on, if you'd like it. It's called 8-9-Bio. And, uh, I noticed that, you know, they did a, a secondary offering last week, and RA Capital Management stepped up to the plate and bought 275,000 shares, which is about $7.5 million worth of uh, 
uh, product. By the way, remember, biotech is a favorite sector, okay? And then uh, Soleno Therapeutics, we had uh, a director. Uh, his name is Andy Sinclair. And uh, Andrew Andrew is a – I think you should look him up. I'm not going to tell you the truth. But this stock was just uh, $4.5, had some bad news back in the first week of June. And he stepped up to the plate, and uh, he now owns – I think he owns 10 million shares, but he bought 3.33330 thousand shares uh, to the tune of $5.499 million, right? And then uh, we also have a director at uh, Vaxinex, which is a biotech company. Uh, he, he paid $3.50 for this. That's right about where it is right now. And uh, he bought $4 million worth. So that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Now, the other one uh, is the REIT. So I <laughs> can't remember who called me on the REIT. Uh, I think it was Larry. Uh, Sim Commercial Trust Company. We had uh, Saul Cuba buy, uh, two, they, they all bought 2.62 million shares or dollars worth. Uh, Richard Ressler and Abraham Sh- uh, Shamish. And then CMI Capital, which is, they own 10%. You know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a company and the company bought 2.3 million. I thought it was quite a bit, uh, you know, so something to think about. Now, uh, we did have a very, you know, a little offshore company called w, W&T Offshore, where we had uh, Tracy Crone, who's chairman, CEO, and president. He bought 760,000 shares, uh, uh, I'm sorry, dollars worth, uh, $744,000 worth on July 8th. And the day before, he bought $614,000 worth. So you like to see the multiple buys there, you know. Um, in a big, big way. Now, a uh, couple of other things. There's a little company uh, called AutoEye that's hitting a new high, and um, I noticed that a director bought some uh, quite a bit of stock. And then I did see a couple things down here that I hadn't seen in a while, uh, you know, that I, I thought was were kind of interesting. Um, and you know, I'll just say that uh, some of these names are like trading 16 cents and and a uh, guy bought 600,000 shares. It's called ZOM. It's a medical stock, a little uh, healthcare stock. So those those are fairly interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's for everybody. Obviously, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you uh, <laughs> you're, you're rolling the dice. You're in Vegas, okay? Um, now, look, uh, the Dow Jones and the S and P are back to trading some ranges within an overall recovery trend, and. I think the current range uh, right now is about, you know, 2400, we'll call 2450, we'll call it to 2650. And it may continue for several weeks as the optimistic and pessimistic forces, you know, they continue to balance each other for the time being anyway. Uh, many of the indicators that uh, RBC follows uh, continue to indicate the market is in a very overbought condition that suggests to us that the risk is higher within the range. So I think it's important. We're going into earnings season, and uh, I think you really have to uh, start to think a little bit about what stocks you own and not so much what their earnings are. I think what's important is how they react to their earnings. You know, after the move up in Tesla, if they report earnings, you know, if it, if it goes down 200 bucks, is that important? Of course it is. If it goes up 200 bucks, is that important? Yes. Uh, so I think it's how your stock reacts to the earnings that will be important coming up here, uh, especially um, if some of these parabolic stocks start to get beat up. 
I think it'll be very, very interesting. Um, look, we have the S&P 500. It's kind of stalled in the range. The Dow is stalled in the range. and But the QQQs go keep going straight up, and that's like 100 stocks. So, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, you want to be uh, obviously in the uh, uh, in the top performing stocks, but you know once they start going parabolic, you got to be a little bit more careful. Uh, I I did notice last week, you know, that we, we had the the Dow and the S and P go right to, uh, you know, they're they're still down about six percent for the year, and they went right up to the area where we thought they, you know, uh, we talked about island reversals uh, last, a couple weeks ago. Well, they came right up to the line where the island reversal started. Uh, back in the uh, uh, the first week of June, and then uh, it stopped and went back down. So I think you know that may be sufficient uh, resistance for a pretty good long period of time. But I tell you, the stars of the week, the stars, you know, and we've been talking about these is number one, uh, the foreign foreign equities, most notably, and uh, is China and the emerging markets. And, you know, the FXI was up. So there's only three indexes up, the QQQs, the gold index, and the Chinese indexes. The only three that are up for the year, Shanghai index to be exact. And the Shanghai isn't exactly, you know, going crazy. It's only up about 2 or 3%. But it was up big last week. And I, I don't know if it's like the Chinese government has the ability to talk up their indexes. Uh, and I don't know why they're doing it. Maybe they're doing it for a reason. But, look, the the stock market has been holding near uh, its high levels of the year. And at the same time, gold has also moved to new highs and still looks higher, you know, to me over the next couple months anyway. I, I know several other people that are feeling the same way. Now, the metal ha- has uh, been in a generally rising trend for the past two years and has generally been moving in a similar pattern to the stock market averages during, uh, the, you know, the times as concerns over business and the economy and have kept gold interest very, very high. So it did sell off, you know, a little bit in June and sold off in March, uh, like everybody else. But it has been moving up slowly but surely. And uh, if we were to break 1900, that would be major resistance. And I would think then you would see uh, a lot of the uh, the gold stocks start to kick into gear. Okay, and uh, if the gold stocks start to kick into gear, believe me, there's a lot of leverage there. They've made a move. They've been going sideways for a while. I think they're waiting to see what kind of direction we have. But look, one of the things that's helping the, these things, and I think it's going to help the dollar, I mean, hurt the dollar and help commodities, is that the Fed has said that they're going to be very loose for the next couple of years. Too many dollars chasing too few goods usually leads to inflation. And uh, now we do have a lot of oil. We do have a lot of uh, uh, natural gas. They may maintain their positions for a while. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the dollar starts to drop, uh, because the, the internals of the dollar don't look that great. The other thing I, I, I emphasize to everybody out there is that stocks, uh, there's the big names, the names that you're hearing about every day on CNBC or reading about in the paper every day are way above their 200-day and their 50-day moving average. Usually, the corrections from those type of stratospheric overbought situations are very quick and very scary okay so you know don't be chasing winners make them come back to you okay uh that that's what my suggestion is today remember we're still in a column of those 
risk is higher now. Okay. Now, you know, when we were at 50, it was, it was the second week or the first week of, of, uh, March, you know, and I said, you know, from 50 to zero or 50 to five or whatever it may be is a long way down. It can be. So it'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to earnings coming up here. And we start those, you know, we started those this week. Uh, we go into full earnings mode next week. So the next two weeks, two and a half weeks, actually, we're in full earnings mode. So it's, like I said, it depends on how your stock reacts to the earnings, which is important. In the meantime, what would I be doing now? Well, look, I think is, this is going to be a great time uh, to look at dividend growth portfolios and prime income lists. I've got a list of names that I love that are in perfect position. We just added a name to our dividend growth portfolio, which we took off back when it was a, you know, fairly overbought. And it looks uh, great. The prime income list has two or three ideas. I mean, they did a great job with Abby. You know, they added it uh, at, I don't know, 69, 70, somewhere around there. So they did a great job. It's in the 90s now, so I'm not recommending it. But anyway, they've done a pretty good job. So, look, uh, dividend growth portfolio, prime income list, uh, just, you know, go to the WHK1420, down to Smart Investor Show. Uh, it goes right to my webpage. Click on my webpage. It has also contact me. In, uh, uh, email me. And remember, we're J.D. Power's number one top uh, brokerage firm. Uh, go down the insights column and also uh, the, the uh, bulletin board and look at Bob Dickey. We have the business owner's guide to transition. I, I think it's a really good idea for those of you guys who still in business. Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. We can do a wealth plan for you and it's interactive. Remember that. And then a family inventory workbook. In the meantime, uh, it's supposed to be a rainy weekend. Uh, so you know, try to get outdoors whenever you can. Have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.